about build an environment of pursuing curiosity. You know who you are, who you really are. Like <laughs> you are listening to Everyday Educators on 1921 Radio. Everyday Educators, and we educate every day. Welcome, loved ones. This is Everyday Educators. I am your host, Jeremy, here with the beautiful, as always, Naomi. What's up, Nay? What's up? How are you? I'm doing good. You know, you looking cute today. I'm, I'm loving it. You saying that. All right. And if you didn't know, we are on 1921radio.com. Make sure you check in in tune 24 hours. How's music when we are on the air? So, uh catch up so you know what name something that you and i share i just want to start with our cars our cars so your current car does it have a name does your current car have a name pure money pure money now where does that come from how did you get to pure money my car is white so he is named after the pure money force Uh, you just don't know how that warms my heart (laughs) So I got the, so, oh, okay. Cause I got the get money force, the, the black and gold ones. The pure okay. money force are white. So mm. That's why. And Lovely. I don't have them because my size is like the kid size. So for the men's size, they had like the real like silver piece, like where mm-hmm. the shoelaces go yeah. at the top. But for the kids size, it's like this weird gray, it just threw the whole shoe off. So I didn't get them, but. In honor of those shoes, because I did really like them. I know my car, Pure Money. Pure Money. Shout out to Pure Money. Um, well, as you know, my car is named Rose. And what what's some of what's some of your uh, past car names? Um, my last car. Well, not my last car, because I drove a Toyota for a little bit. Yeah. I don't remember what we named. Oh, my mother in law named that car Dodger because it was blue. Oh yes, um, okay. I drove, um, but I drove a Kia Soul for ten years, and it was black. It was black outside, black interior. Love that car, and that car was named Ace, like Ace of Spades. The infamous, the infamous. I, I remember Ace. Got you through many a, many a day. Ace was so good to me. I remember telling my mom like, "This is a great product," and secretly, I hope that Kia like gives me some form of endorsement i know nobody loves them more than me nobody kia i know you're listening i know you're listening to this broadcast so please hook my girl naya because my next question here you go here's your sale pitch what's your dream car come on hit us with it i love the telluride like i just i've been watching it since it came out. I think they first dropped right before the pandemic, maybe like 2019, because I remember taking my car in for service and being like, oh, what's this? Mm. So, it's just, and it's great. Like, it's only gotten better over time. Like, one of my friends has one, and I'm just like, every day she's like, you should get one. But yes, I would love a Telluride. Come on, Kia, come hook my girl up. And, great. and I don't want their sponsorship. I want Nate to get her Telluride. So I'm willing to pay for mine. But as you know, I've been waiting. You a driver? 
No, 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 no. I'm saying because I'm about to share my dream car. And so we can't have two car sponsors, right? And so I want Kia to sponsor us so that you can get your teller right and I'm going to pay for mine. It's the official car of the NBA. Come on now. Wow to me. I don't know how they got there. I don't know. Blake Griffin. Took up. But like, dude. Most like I don't know season ticket holders drive Kias. Like, how did they just decide? They spent that bag. That's that's the all that means. Car of the NBA. That just means they spent obviously the money. nobody in the NBA drives a Kia. Like, so I, I don't know. I'm sure some G League player has a, okay. has a you know. Um, before I share, because this is the experience that I've been waiting for. So I remember huh? to talk about Kia's never. Uh, (laughs) No. So I remember uh, my grandfather, he Mm. went, we went to the Lexus dealer and he like customized his car and like they bought us lunch because I'm sure he spent like an exorbitant amount of money on this like sedan, but he, he like, <laughs> oh yeah, he was like, oh bro, your grandfather spent it everything, so we can buy you, you all a burger. It was me and my brother, and my brother was young, so I don't even know if he remembers this, but like he, he like he picked out the car and then we left, and I was like, I didn't Wait. realize what was happening, right? I was like, oh, that was. A long time to be in a dealership and then weeks later a car is delivered to his house and i was like yo like i remember the the green with the little reflective flakes and then it was all leather with the sunroof and he, he had like this is where he had like ipod he had every ipod adapter like the cassette tape adapter oh. I was like, bro, you rich. That's what like I knew my grandfather was rich. And so like I just held on to that memory. And so my dream car is a Cadillac Escalade. And I don't I don't just want to like cuz like every 6 months I go on cadillac.com and like customize another Escalade. Did you see the 2025 one? The of course I have. One? I've seen them all. Somebody just sent it to me. Like it actually looks like all those screens is like a little bit intimidating for me. Man, it feel like I'm in the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and so I want to walk into Cadillac and like customize a car. If I don't have kids by that time, I'm just gonna bring somebody's child so that they just can bring have this dog. memory. <laughs> I bring Perry. <laughs> No, probably Owen. Yeah, I bring Owen so he could just be like, "All right, this is something to aspire to." Um, but yeah, that's Cadillac I Escalade. A, well, I didn't buy a car, but I have a, a a memory going with my grandparents to buy their car. It definitely was not a Lexus, but <laughs> it is memorable because they came and picked me up from school early, and so Ooh. I got an early missile from kindergarten. And they were, I was like, where are we going? Why are you guys, why, first of all, why are you both here? Because my <laughs> grandmother doesn't drive. <laughs> so they're what like, oh, do? we have a surprise. 
And so they picked me up from school to take me to get their new car with them. So. Let's go to our actual factual. I, I want to have like some, like some, some, some transition. Um, my question with actual factual. Do you like heist movies? Like bank heists or are they still oh, a jury? Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. I just like, so when I go to bed at night, <laughs> I turn on some form of action or a heist movie. You should go this way. I'm just like, here, you sleep into the Mission Impossible. It's all right. <laughs> so, if we were to steal some art, like, what role would you have or, like, what skill set that you're going to bring to the team that'd be, like, valuable to this mission? I don't think I have. You know I'm scared of everything. Like, I can't, like, I cried when I had to go to traffic court. Like, I don't know. I remember that. And I knew you were going to say that. So you would be the researcher. Like you could like research the piece, how to like validate it, you know, and like what's it going for on the black market. So I already came ready for an answer. Okay. I am a master planner, as you know. That is true. Um. So I think I'll be the planner, but I also am a good driver or as you say, a fast driver. But you are also a driver that knows this. Like, I don't know anybody that like knows the city in the way you do. Like my grandfather Mm. does. He doesn't drive anymore. And then the woman that used to do my hair when I was in Chicago, like she knew like this far north, you at X... 4,500, whatever. Like, I I can't. That's like a whole nother language. I just can't. But. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my girl and, like, her dad, they communicate in, like, the street numbers, like, the name street. So they be like, oh, Halstead is 1,800. I'm like, bro, who, like, who's doing that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's another yeah. one. Yeah, that's that's a little too far. Like, but I asked that question because uh, unfortunately, our first story uh, brings us to the British Museum. The British Museum. Actually, all the actual factuals this week are museum based. So, um, there was a slow moving heist at the British Museum. Uh, about two years ago, they were warned that they may be theft at their museum. Um, there were several artifacts listed and sold on eBay. And these include uh, gold, jewelry, semi-precious gems, and antiquities dating to the 15th century. Um, after they discovered hundreds of missing pieces, the museum director stepped down after they fired who they suspect stole the items, you know, which is their hubris. Um, so that kind of sucks, right? Yeah. To... But brings me to my second question. Do you like museums? Do you like going to museums? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite museum? 
or like your favorite time at a museum? Um, I really, even as an adult, I really enjoy the Museum of Science and Industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I, I and for know, those like, who aren't in Chicago, like what is the Museum of Science and Industry? It is probably the most interactive museum. I think you could see there's a lot of stuff to touch and play with and just kind of like immerse yourself in that experience. But I mean, it is just that it is a museum around science in that industry and different types of science. Like there for a long time was like a farm exposition where you could like walk through and like get on a tractor and learn about cows and farming and like the science of that. Um, There was a water like, um, it's for kids, it's for like little kids, but it is like all these different things with like water. So Mm -hmm. there's like these little boats and this like little thing that turns like this. And it's all about like the function of water itself and like not filtration, but like how water like flows. Where like you go in and put on like a whole little smock and stuff so you don't get wet. So um, I really, like I said, even in, as an adult going there on field trips, ironically, I, uh, really liked it. I think they do the best job of like, uh, curating new, uh, exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a lot of memorable times at the science industry. I remember they had a Mythbusters and mm-hmm. like, uh, that was like the one occasion that it was me and my two brothers all there. It's pretty dope. But you know, I uh found my purpose, if you will, at the shed aquarium. And so um yeah, I being with the animals and uh, you know, like working there in high school and like learning all this stuff and then being able to like talk to people about like the animals um being there when like a beluga whale was born and you know um racing like being there overnight and like racing up and down with the dolphins like a bunch of like real fly experiences um oh yeah sleeping with the sharks that was also like super cool uh yeah so definitely gonna say the shared aquarium well which brings us to our second story uh which comes from uh, well i heard it originally uh, from a sister named kimberly her page is called it's kimberly renee on ig um and i also looked it up on cnn.com article written by harmet core the smithsonian has issued an apology for its collection of over 30,000 30,000 human body parts many taken from (laughs) your face uh, many taken from black and indigenous people not surprised Um, most of these specimens were taken by anthropologist Alex Hardlicka Hardlicka excuse me for butchering your name who were investigating the flaw theory that white people were the superior race. 
a quote, our forthcoming policy will finally recognize these remains not as objects to be studied, but as human beings to be honored, wrote Brother Lonnie G. Bunch III, who is the first black person to serve as the head of the Smithsonian. And this is what you got to deal with, brother. So my question to you is, how do you feel about going to museums knowing that many of their artifacts and their exhibits are stolen? How does, how, how do you deal with that just in your heart? I don't know. I mean, one part of me is like, that is terrible and messed up, but I also mm-hmm. think like the ability to experience it, like you know this my mother has been all over the world she was like you really want to see some art some african art go to europe like that is where it all is and so like if you want to see it then like you can see it there Mm -hmm. like Recently, I just watched a video on Instagram. I can't, it wasn't the Wall Street Journal. It was somewhere else. I'll have to find it. But ultimately, what they were talking about was this art piece that was passed down um, of a, some like children. And in it was a black boy who at the time was a slave. And so this one family member had it and passed it down and lived in somebody's garage forever. And then they donated, donated it. And then um, it sat in a basement. So like nobody looked into it or did anything with it. And then ultimately it got in the hands of this guy who was essentially like a professional art collector. And so in the, the piece, you can see like the shadow of the boy. So what happened was that this boy was like painted out of it over time and so the piece that was passed Wait, so they was diddy cropping people back in the day yes yeah, so the original painting had these three white kids and then this like teenage black boy and then over time someone had painted him out and so this family that lived um that had it like in the 70s they were descendants of this family that owned this boy and so it was essentially like a family heirloom and they didn't do anything with it. And like I said, left it in the garage. And so it lives in this museum in the basement. Nobody touches it or does anything with it. This other like, guy gets a hand, a hand on it and like is able to see like the shadowy figure. So he's like, hmm, what's this? So then he has it restored. So then you are now able to see that there is this black boy that was on the painting the whole time. Um, Wow. And so I bring that up because it is an example of a a portrait or a painting that is historic. They, it's interesting watching these things because you learn like all these cool jobs. Like if this lady's like, she's a genealogist. And so like her whole job is like researching off. So she found the boy. And he, at the time when they painted him, he was 15. Um, And what she gathered from what she had found in her research was that he was the boy that was responsible for the owner's children. And so um, that is why he was in it. And nobody really has a reason as to why he was painted out of it. Um, But 
this is historical. This has something to do with black history. And it essentially like lived in a basement. And then the guy that was over the museum that had it in the basement was like, we made a mistake. So that is a, a very long story, but an example of like some like this stuff would live in basements. Yeah. Um, if otherwise not displayed. Um that's powerful. I have a point to make, but I'll I'll share that after our last story. But I will say two things. One, um that sounds similar to like the plot of the piano lessons, um, which is a play. And it is about this piano and on the side of the piano is like all these like slaves and enslaved people like carved into it. Um, and then their descendants have the piano. The siblings want to do different things with it, not to give away. I mean, not give it away, but like, you know, read the play for yourself. August Wilson. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is that. the reason for it being is you know tough you know some like some tough circumstances for like what it is representing but also the historical significance of it right um and it also makes me think of that killmonger scene and black panther when they were at the museum you know looking for the benin masks which brings us to our third story. You see the transitions? Look at you. So, our third story comes from The Guardian. And it is speaking specifically to what we are discussing, the hypocrisy of museums refusing to return items back to their original countries. Excuse me. <clears throat> and I quote, one of the most insulting reasons that they've given is that other countries, excuse me, is one of the most insulting reasons that they've given, they being museums, uh, specifically the British Museum, is that other countries would have the, uh, excuse me, that other countries that these items belong to would either not be able to take care of them or they are likely to be stolen. But you've got people in this country putting them on eBay. And so uh, the, the our Guardian issued this article um, in response to what I referenced earlier, the, the British Museum director stepping down with the eBay stolen items. Now, the British Museum reported that they had a couple hundred pieces stolen. But in uh, this article by The Guardian, they report that the British Museum has had over 2,000 items stolen, missing missing or damaged. Um, And this news has sparked Nigeria to once again petition for the Benin bronzes to be returned to Nigeria. Um, There is a good video on YouTube from Vox speaking about the British Museum and their artifacts, and they go more into detail on how the uh, the Britain, the British 
stole the Benin bronzes during the invasion of Nigeria. Um, so my question to you is understanding all that we kind of discussed about um, museums is like how can educators commute all of this to their students or should they even you know bring that up? How can educators communicate this to their students? Yeah, like like you say about um, you know your mom if you want to see good black art go to Europe, right? Um, but and I don't know how much detail she went in with you as far as like well why is all the black art in Europe? You know, From, I mean with me she was like it's stolen. But if you want to see it, that's where it's at. So go there. Yeah. Like it was like a very point blank conversation. So. Well, okay, I hear that. Um, I, I do think it's tough, right? From if we think of like the museum, like the field museum, is it be a better one, right? The field museum where they have like all this you know, these native indigenous artifacts. Mm -hmm. How do they come about all of this stuff, right? The, you know, the ancient Egypt exhibits, like all these things that, you know, weren't given to them. Um, probably the only thing that they got, I would say legally or ethically would be Sue. Remember the T-Rex that they had? Yeah. Sue, is she still there? Sue is no longer there. I, I think, yeah. Where they put um, her? Somewhere else. You know, they just they're there for. Sue was there for a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. Sue was there for a minute. Yeah, but you know, she had to go on the greener pastures, and you know. But even then, right? Like, where did they dig her up at? Where's that land? Um, I think that, and and not every. <laughs> you know, teacher, program, administrator has all that information. Um, but I do think that it, it does provide a challenge when you also want to be ethical and have ethical practices in in, in your education institution, right? Are like, you saying, like, you don't, like, an educator would not take <clears throat> their children to see these things because of how they were acquired? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if I want to go to the British Museum to see the Benin bronzes. As much as I even like learning about it made me want to see them more, but knowing that Nigeria has been like fighting with them for decades to get them back. You know? That is tough. Because I think about like when I was in fifth grade, we went to see an Egyptian exhibit and it wasn't, it was somewhere in High Park. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, obviously, that, no, that's where Museum of Science and Industry is. So, it wasn't the field museum. But we, and I just remember having, like, such an interest of, like, and I still do. Like, I still want to go to Egypt at some point in my life. Like, just, like, this curiosity that was just sparked in me because I had the opportunity to see that exhibit. And so you're right, it is tough. Like, I would hate to take that away from a kid. But at the same time, I do understand, like, standing for something is like, no, nah, this is stolen, so we're not going to go see it. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, even on the opposite end, not opposite end, but like I mentioned, I love being at the aquarium, right? And I remember um, the my eighth grade spring break, I was supposed to go to SeaWorld, but I broke my arm, and so I didn't go. But, like, looking back, knowing that the orcas there and, like, the living conditions and, like, killer whales shouldn't be in a little 20-foot tank. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, hey, we see how smart they are now. So, you know. Um, it's tough. It's tough because if I, my life would be very different had I not had that time working at the shed. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an unrelated conversation, um, we talked about how like things don't have to look the way they look now, right? And so um, I think to kind of land this plane, uh, things can be repatriated, artifacts could be returned back to their original organizations um, and countries. And that would give a reason for folks to go there. I think more people go to Nigeria if they really wanted to see, go to Africa to see African art. You know, that's that's the, the justification for that. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, this week... I wanted to have a discussion about learning environments. It's the beginning of the school year, right? Um, And a lot of folks listening are working with young people and they want to encourage them to, you know, have better habits, right? Um, and so I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like identifying and creating habits and settings to like encourage these students of all ages, right, to perform their best, you know. So that's just kind of what I wanted to talk with you about. Um, so when you were in school not too long ago, um, when and where did you do your best work? And like, what about that place worked best for you? I really learned how I learned um, towards the end of my high school experience. And so I took that into Mm -hmm. college with me. And so when I was in college, shout out Chicago State University, they had this brand new library that they had just built, which was the new academic library. Yes, a total upgrade from the previous library. Can we pause? Have you (laughs) spent time in the in the old library yeah that's where the fm department was oh okay okay yeah now i was just i remember maybe i'm thinking about no i'm thinking about douglas excuse me i'm thinking about the the other building um that they used to have like the pre-k school in and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. years and years ago when i was taking swimming lessons there i was like yo that was rough but continue so they had this brand new library that had, I want to say it just got completed right before we got there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so they had these huge triangular windows, like I'm talking floor to ceiling triangle windows. And so my spot was on the third floor by the window. And so I sat at like a table for four. I would usually sit um, by myself. And so I would like put all my stuff out and just work there. I also am not a morning person ever. Mm. And so I prefer to study later in the day. Sometimes into the night, I think that's why my sleeping pattern is off now. But, like, I would take a nap and then I would wake up at, like, 10 or 11 um, and study. And then sometimes if I was going to study on campus, I would go home, take a nap, and then come back at, like, 7 or 8 and study until the library closed at midnight. And I just really, I liked windows. I liked the freedom of being able to like look outside and see the whole campus. Sometimes you see people you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also had to isolate since I was like, I don't know, in second grade was the first time I remember hearing like Naomi's easily distracted. And that is true. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wouldn't so know about that. That is <laughs> true for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, like, figure out a way how to, like, isolate myself from my friends to get work done. So I just I said that because I, I, I distracted you a lot <laughs> in, in some of our courses. But it worked out for the best. It worked out for the best. Um, hmm. I would say in high school, I would... I really didn't need to study. So like, I like to do the, whatever work I needed to do once the lesson was over. So I didn't have to take anything home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which did not serve me well when I got to college. Um, because I didn't have any study skills. And as I tell all of my students, the worst thing you can do is try to learn how to study when you need to study something, right? Um, But when I did, you know, when I got to college, I realized I am much more of a morning person. Like, early morning is when, like, my mind is fresh and I could just, like, run through things. Um, Which brings me to my second question. Uh, what were your study habits and better way of saying that, like, what, like, is your learning style? Um, I'm a reader. So like, for me, I need to be able to like read it. Um, it is not, some people are like auditory learners where they just need to hear it and write like that does not work for me. Um, and so I also need to be able to like physically touch it. I know that sounds weird, but when I'm trying to like really read something, I print it. I do this at work. I do it like, and I mean, you know me, like I have to like annotate. So I got my highlighter, I got my pen, I'm writing my thoughts. Like I am, I think we talked about Miss Bradley a couple of weeks ago and like that is who taught me to do that. And so 
once I I went through a period where I felt like I didn't need that because I knew a lot of people like you who didn't. And so <laughs> I, but once I was like, I think like my junior year kind of clicked when I was in high school. And so once I got that, like I was good. And so I have to be able to read it. Um, And for me, like my, it's, I also tap into what I am good. I mean, that's the the beauty of college and grad school. You kind of get to do focus on the subjects that you like. And so for me, I would just like read whatever I had to read. So, and then in college, they have like the study guide. And so they give it to you. Sometimes the questions are the same or they're not. And so I would just do that. I would read everything. I would sit down with my notebook and answer each question. I would have an idea of like where my thoughts were. And then even if they didn't give me a study guide, I would read what was necessary to read and, of course, annotate. And then, like, that prepared my mind to take the test. I like, I know a lot of people don't like, like, short answer or, like, papers. But for me, I really value the beauty of being able to express how I'm thinking and what I'm thinking and how I got there. And so I would, like math i'm just not a math and science type of person um and I, obviously i have not got i never got to the level of math and science where you can like do all that cool stuff but um yeah i just i just read even when i was job hunting like i googled first in the first round interview questions and i would answer all of those i would like hand write them out that's another thing for me hand-to-brain connection is very real and very strong. I do not retain information if I have to, like, sit there and type it. When I was in grad school, I had a professor that moved his class from a regular lecture hall to a computer lab because he wanted people to type their notes. I did not learn anything until (laughs) I was like, I can't do this. So I, like, stopped using the computer, and then I just wrote all my notes down, and then I learned some stuff. You said a lot. You said a lot. Um, so, I I am not as much of a hand to brain learner as I thought I was. Like when you said that, like it made me think about when I bought my iPad, mm-hmm. and it was like. You know, we saw Toriano with the notabilities. I was like, "Ooh, I can write notes." I live uh, by, by the way. Like, I, I mean, I, I do so too. Am I? I do too. Um, but for me, I do more note taking, like in the notes app, mm. right? And just like you know, I'll have an idea, and I just need to like get it out. Mm-hmm. And so I'll put it in a note or I'll send it in an email to myself um, just so that I can kind of get that idea out Yeah, because it will just like take up real estate. Um, but um, I realized really, really studying for the GRE is when it when it hit me um, because of Khan Academy. Right. So like I pay for 
the twelve hundred dollars for whatever GRE Princeton review, whatever. And I didn't learn anything. Like this thick giant book, and it just had like copious notes and which is a good reference. But going on Khan Academy and like seeing them, you know, mm-hmm. illustrate out just like writing the math problems, I'm like, ah. And then like YouTube University. But I will say that uh, having the text to reference, um, I do like I value my own opinion. And so like being able to read something and analyze it for myself is something that I greatly value. But um, I also, you know, I I guess I would say like I'm a combo learner, right? So like I need to like, all right, let me see it. Cool. Which is why some online learning formats don't work the most efficiently for me, right? But much like you, one thing that you said that I definitely resonate with um, is I am much more of a long form communicator, as you know, for me telling my stories, there is no short version of them. Um, and so like when I have to like them 500 words or less blow me, like I'd be like, Bro, hey. I can't, what, what am I, what am I supposed to do? I got to write the thousand words and just like, yes, basically you asking me to put my name on the paper and like, that's it. Like, or, or I can't answer it. Like, it'd be like answering five, like 500 words. And then I like have like a hundred and I'd be like, well, that's it. <laughs> like respond to your classmate. It was cool. Like if I'm not writing the five page paper, bro, don't ask me. I just don't ask me. Um, so when you are studying, right, like, what is the vibes like? Is it music, incense, coffee, tea? Like, what's the vibe? What do you need the setting to be? It kind of depends on what I'm studying. Um, things that are a little bit more complex, like, Mm -hmm. for example, if I'm reading a novel, or which I haven't read in a while, or like just like a quick article that I read, like whatever can be on. But for example, I'm um, just started reading the Growth of Vegas report that was done by UNLV's business school, and so that is like really like that's gonna actually take all my brain power. And so I don't normally do music. Um. I like TV background noise. Okay. Uh, I love Olivia Benson. She got me. I was going to say any any particular show. She Olivia Benson has got me through so much. Mm. Um, Shout out to Liv. But I also, but even that, depending on the density of what I'm reading, will have to go on mute. So sometimes I'm operating in total silence. Um, and then sometimes I have like some background noise going on. Typically, that's yeah, that made me. Uh, <laughs> we have a friend, we have a friend, Nicole, 
and uh, she's studying for her CPA exam. She has one more exam left. And I remember we're sitting in a coffee shop and I'm like, what are you listening to? And so she she gives me, shares her AirPod with me. So apparently there's a setting on your iPhone that's just white noise. And so <laughs> she's listening to the just in her ear. I was like, you are a serial killer. <laughs> but like she she knocking it out and I'm just like, yo, what? And she also showed me, she was the first person to show me like you can set your AirPod to like I don't know, I don't know what it's called, like spy mode when you can like put it over there and it can listen. So you can have one AirPod like on the other side of the room. And then you have the other one in your ear and you could be listening to like whatever that one is picking up. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. I forgot the mode, but it's like spy mode. I'm like, first of all, how do you know this? Right. Anyway. (laughs) Um, when I'm studying, I need music, right? I need like jazz music. Um, or sometimes I do Latin music. I just need something kind of, I don't want to say upbeat, but with a higher BPM um, that I don't know the words to. Because if I have on Law & Order, then I'm just watching Law & Order. I'm not studying. <laughs> but if it's just like, you know, some J Balvin, I don't know what bro's saying. So he just, I'm just vibing out. While I'm like, you know, doing my work, um, unless I'm trying to find a word, and then like I cut everything off because I'm like, ah, I'm looking for that, that one word. Um, that's good. So, my uh, last, well, not last question, but landing this plane on like your learning environment. Um, my question to you is a two-parter. Are you a procrastinator? And since the answer is yes, <laughs> if you were talking to your younger self, what would you tell young Nay about waiting to the last minute? Don't do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but why? I why think you procrastinate? so. When I was in college, I took a speech class and because I procrastinated, I got my, I had two different versions of my project and I got them mixed up. And one, the one that I didn't want to use, I used in my presentation. And so Ooh. because of that, it was like blank. Like I was and the one that I had completed, I didn't know where it was because I wasn't very organized. Um, and so that was like really a, an eye opener to like, oh, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, but what I will also say around that is like things for me, at least can feel like very big and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so once I learned how, and I'm not. I'm not great at this, but once I kind of tapped into kind of like chunking things out, 
and preparation like part of like the more you can procrastinate the more anxious you get because you procrastinate it so it's like if i could do like this one thing and get this one thing done and then like move on to the next thing and get that thing done like i have felt better because in the end i feel prepared yeah so instead of like waiting to the last minute I feel much more confident in what I have going on because I know I have prepared for this project or this presentation or whatever it is. So, um, I will also say I'm a procrastinator and, um, if I were to say, tell my younger self anything, it would be, don't play down to the competition. Um, I would say, you know, uh, I feel like everyone in my generation kind of misunderstood Allen Iverson when he was like, practice? What you mean practice? You know, where like we all took that, we didn't like really take the Kobe approach. Like we gonna practice harder so that in the game, it feel like practice. Um, and so, yeah, like there are, you, you only need it when you need it. Right. So it's like, as you know, most of the time I didn't need to study, but it was like when I needed to study, it was, it was, it was rough on your boy, you know? So it's like, um, you want to build in those habits to be successful knowing that majority of the time you're not going to need it majority of the time you're not going to need to study for this test but that doesn't mean you don't study anything right um just so that you can keep your your sore sharp um so yeah so is there any other tips or advice that you can share you know with the people listening um about them and their young people creating a better learning environment and if you don't that's cool i would say let them guide you or tap into like what feels right for them Mm -hmm. and so um obviously i speak in examples but i was watching the first episode of the shot or maybe it's the second episode um of this season of the shot and Emmett's girlfriend is interviewing for a teacher position. And so this kid essentially is like, I don't want to read in front of the class. So the assumption and the the current teacher is like, no, you gotta read. And if you don't want to read, go in timeout. And so ultimately, long story short, she finds out that he just isn't, he doesn't like reading in front of people. He actually can read and comprehend very, very well. But that's just not his vibe. And so mm-hmm. I think, like, when we were growing up in generations previous, it's like, you're just going to do it. And, like, what we now know is that, like, all you got to do is be able to prove that you know it or you can do it. Like, you don't have to read in front of the class or, like, whatever the case is. Like, you – or maybe you like reading in front of the class and you don't want to read on your own. Like, mm-hmm. whatever that is, like, kind of tapping into to that for them. People, I think that will give the the comfort and the motivation to to keep going. Okay. Um. So similar to that, I would say 
to find your tribe. Um, when I look back, like especially in high school, I would like go off and do like my nerd stuff, right? Um, thinking that like I wouldn't be cool if everyone knew that I was reading, you know, this like I was into poetry and all the other kind of stuff. Uh, I really got heavy into Shakespeare and things. Um, and like, I didn't share that and I didn't give, I didn't give my friends an opportunity to kind of elevate like our friend group. And then as I got older, I realized like they were doing the same thing. They like, they were going off and like, you know, learning, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then like, um, looking back, like the people who weren't doing that aren't the people who like you want to hang out with anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say, you know, find your tribe, um, but whatever that means, you know, for you and y'all could like learn and study and do stuff together. Um, so for our final moments together, I want to do something a little different for the book club this week, right? Um, do you have any suggestions for those who are listening for a leisure or a light read? I read a book called so why you... Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, I love James Baldwin. He is right, right up under um, Richard Wright for me. Um, He has a lot of plays, a lot of plays, but a book that, a novel that I would suggest um, by him, I don't know how like light it is, um, but Giovanni's Room. I think Giovanni's Room was you know what I'm, I'm gonna take that back because that's not that's that's not a light read a rage in harlem a rage in harlem it is an amazing book it's like it's very fast-paced right and if you get the audio version um there's uh they recorded so like a uh, robin Givens. And I think it was Forrest Whitaker, like acted in the the film production. Um, And they have some of those same actors do like the voice acting um, for A Rage in Harlem. Um, So A Rage in Harlem, it's a great book, Um, almost like a heist kind of, right? Um, Yeah, so that would be my suggestion. Giovanni's room is also great too if you're, mm-hmm. if you're looking for that. So what you got, Nay? There is I'm trying to find it. There's a book that I read years ago. Um, it's at my mom's house now, but it is by two women. It's like a little bitty yellow book, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically talks about like being able to be positive and say yes in the realm of leadership and so like a lot of times it's like no you gotta be hard and tough and blah, blah, blah. And they talk about like 
being two women, I think they own some type of communications firm or company and how they have navigated their leadership and also their relationships in the space that they're in by mm-hmm. being positive and not um, bit like saying no all the time, essentially. Gotcha. Uh, so it's a really good book. It's not even a hundred pages. Oh, okay. See, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's our show, y'all. And you know, to everyone listening, want to thank you for always going on this journey with us. You know, we are Everyday Educators. You can catch us every Saturday at nine a.m. on nineteen twenty one radio dot com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Everyday Educators, the spell at Educate Every Day, and you can always reach out to us via email at info at educateeveryday.com. I'm Jeremy. This is Nay. Peace, y'all.